if you could teach every business owner one thing, what might that be? That is such a great question. And if it's okay, I'm going to have to break it down into two parts because I think um, there's a big piece to running the business and there's a big piece to protecting any of your intellectual property that's related to that business. The business of sales is sometimes harder than actually making the sale in the first place. See, you're not only a professional salesperson, you're a business owner, but the focus always seems to be on sales. Well, we're here to help you. I've been in the sales world and training sales professionals for over four decades. My name's Morris Sims. I've seen some great salespeople fail because they didn't run their business very well. Well, we're going to share success concepts and interview some great entrepreneurs who are going to help you in your business. Welcome to the Business of Sales. So how many attorney jokes do you know? I mean, I've got a zillion of them. I've got a whole box full of attorney jokes. Well, now I've also got a son who is an attorney, and I've had to put all my attorney jokes away because they're totally inappropriate and not worth using anymore. But we've all got them. We've all had them. But the fact is, I can't tell you how many times my attorney has saved my you-know-what when I really needed some help and I needed somebody to tell me something about running my business and doing it properly. And my attorney has come to my to my aid time and time again. Carrie Seacard is our guest today. Carrie is an attorney, and Carrie's specialty is in internet intellectual property, uh, patent law, and things like trademarks and those kind of things. But she's also a business owner, and she's been running her own business for a number of years now. So Carrie's got a lot of great things to share with us today and add some value to you and your business and how you can be better and I can be better. And Carrie, we're just glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, we're going to have a blast. Uh, Carrie, tell me this. Now, you you work with business owners, and you see them, and they come in to see you. And I'll bet there's something that you have seen over the years that you could say, man, if I could tell business owners or teach business owners one thing about the, the realms of running a business, and especially from a legal standpoint, that the general public and, and for sure business owners don't seem to know, they don't seem to get it. If you could teach every business owner one thing, what might that be? That is such a great question. And if it's okay, I'm going to have to break it down into two parts because I think um, there's a big piece to running the business and there's a big piece to protecting any of your intellectual property that's related to that business. And I think we kind of need to separate those. Mm -hmm. So I'll first dive into the different parts of your business and running your business and how that works. And the best way I can explain this is by the mistakes I made (laughs) (laughs) over the last, over the last two years. Um, I admittedly, um, I got a little too big too fast. I am a virtual law firm. So my first thought was, well, what the heck? I can take as many people on as I want. I don't need to give them an office space. They just need a laptop. It's no big deal, right? 
Yeah. Well, my my payroll went from my payroll literally uh, more than quadrupled itself from one month to the next. Wow. And that's when I went, oh, this, this is why. <laughs> <laughs> this this right here is why I can't take on as many people as I want because um, I, I have a little bit of a out-of-the-box model. It's not a traditional law firm model. Um, I'm trying to support... I don't like to use the word work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I think that it's a dysfunctional term. I think that there are days when you have to focus on your work and there are days when you have to focus on your family and you just turn those dials the way that you need to. And you, if you have a support system, it really doesn't matter what your work-life balance is. You have the support to, to make that happen and to thrive. Um, so the, the biggest driving factor in starting my business, and I would say for any business owner, is to just be aware of the different hats that you have to wear as a business owner and be mindful of how you're shifting between those hats. So when I first started out, it was myself, one other attorney and office manager. I wore every hat. I was the CEO, I was the CFO, I was the salesperson, sure, yeah. you know, everything. But you need to be mindful of and be ready for that shift when you take over maybe one or two hats for your business. Mm -hmm. And the scariest thing with that is letting control go. Um, I actually, in a few months ago, I took on a COO. And she said to me, do you really need to review every invoice that is sent out? <laughs> and no. I said, well, no, probably not. Right. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> but it's hard when it's your baby that you have grown oh, from yeah. literally nothing to this big thing. Um, so that's one piece of advice I would give is to find good people and be willing to relinquish that control so that if you can't, you're not going to be able to grow and scale. Oh yeah. I mean, um, it's a, it's an empowering thing. It's, it's a leadership skill. You've got to be able to empower your team for their good and for the good of your business, but also just to, to, to make it work. I mean, you, as you say, you're not going to scale if you're trying to do it all yourself. There's just no way. Exactly. And I think you need to find which hat, quote unquote, that you're most passionate about. So for me, I love being the CEO of my company. I'm in charge of what's going on. I have my hand in who's in charge of what and what's going on. And I know a little bit about the financial and I know a little bit about the operations, but I trust my people to make all the rest of it happen. To some people, that sounds like a nightmare, right? Like yeah. they don't, yeah. they oh, don't yeah. want to be involved in any of that. They just want to be the CFO or maybe they just want to be the president. But I think from very early on, you need to be mindful of these things. And the best thing I ever did that I waited way too long to do was hire a virtual assistant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we and, could all probably say that. You're right. <laughs> and because it was overwhelming for me to think about all of the things that were involved in bringing someone else onto the team. 
So some very good advice that I received was every time you do a task that a virtual assistant could do, just write it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then before you know it, within two to three weeks, you will have this bulleted list of all of these things that your virtual assistant could do. You have a job description, you have procedures, maybe you can even automate some of that. Um, that, I kind of backed into this answer, but honestly, if I could give one tidbit of advice, it would be to document your procedures because as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, and I can say I'm two years in now, there are still way too many things that I am the only one that knows how to do it, or I'm the only one that has the authority. And that creates a bottleneck when we get busy. If you can get ahead of those, that's huge. Oh, a hundred percent. It's, in the in the corporate world, it was those of us who came up because we we're very good at what we did, and then all of a sudden you're in charge of a department that does that, and you still want to do it all yourself, and you find out eventually you either fail or you find out I can't do this. I've got to rely on other people, and that is that yes. step into leadership that uh, I think we've all got to get there at some point in time, and we've all got to learn that relinquishing that control and empowering someone else to take control and then let them do it is just so very, very important. And it's a huge step in in becoming a leader. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite quotes, and I will try to not butcher it, and I apologize, I don't know the source, (laughs) is some of the best leaders hire the greatest talent and then Mm -hmm. they just get out of their way. Yeah. They let them do their thing. They don't try to tell them what to do. They don't you know, try to micromanage them. Um, I, I, I firmly believe there are two, you know, they're kind of two camps of people in a lot of things, but I, I would rather be the dumbest person in the room. I want to be surrounded by people that are far more intelligent than me that I can learn from and grow, you know, exponentially. There are some people that want to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And I, I want to surround myself with the people that are constantly improving and constantly getting better. And I just think that make, that in and of itself can make such a big difference when you're a business owner. Oh, it really can, because that's the only way you're going to be able to scale. And the, the question comes, when do you actually start doing that? I mean, you know, you've, you've got a business and you're running it, and it's like, hey, I'm not even paying myself a whole lot just yet. How in the world am I going to be able to afford to hire somebody else? Have you run into that one? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, um, I get asked that question a lot. So Mm -hmm. I have seven attorneys, including myself, and I get asked very frequently, how did you bring in so much work to keep all of these people busy? Mm -hmm. And truthfully, my model, I give all the attorneys have the administrative structure to get everything done. So they're not dealing with the filing and the reporting and docketing and any of the nuisance stuff, Mm -hmm. but they're, they're expected to bring in their own work. And to be honest with you, when I started this model, I was, I literally thought who's even going to want to do this. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my pitch is you get a percentage of what you bill. It's not a set salary. 
I don't yep. have any work to give you. You bring your own work in, but I can support you in every way that you need to get work done. And I just thought when I put the ad out, I would get crickets. And I, the first posting I put out, I had to shut down in seven days. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, um, that's amazing. It's, it's, it has literally blown my mind. And if I could, I would hire every attorney that I could. I'm just not infrastructurally and cash flow wise there yet, Yeah. but I hope yeah. to be soon. Um, one of my colleagues actually just put a post on LinkedIn that said, as an attorney, what's the most stressful thing for you? And 70% of people voted the billable hour. Mm -hmm. And I just, I personally haven't had to focus on the billable hour. I don't, I have zero minimum requirements for my attorneys. I mean, they have to want to work or they won't make any money. Right. Yeah. yeah. But on my model, because we're all working from home and we're all virtual and it has a low overhead, I don't, I don't have a minimum requirement for them. Mm -hmm. And I've had multiple people approach me and say, that's exactly why I want to work for you mm -hmm. because you don't have that. There's no pressure. There's no stress. You can work as little or as much as you want. I have one attorney that just took off for six weeks. She went uh, in her camper van on a trail all across the United States, and I monitor her inbox for her and see if she has anything urgent that comes up. And no, I am not making any money. <laughs> <laughs> However, to be able to give her that life is beyond priceless. It yeah. is just it is rewarding in ways that I can't even explain. And, um, and you know what? She knows that she realizes yeah. there's nobody else in the world. Chances are that would do that with her and give her that freedom to do those kind of things. And it, 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 it made a huge difference in her life. Just, I mean, that much time to, to not have to be connected, to be able to, golly, Carrie, that's, that's a wonderful gift you provided for that lady. Thank you so much. Yeah, she, um, we have quite, we have quite a relationship because of it. There is such an enormous amount of respect for each other. She, um, she actually almost canceled her trip. So she had this trip planned for five months to go to, uh, I believe it's Isle Royale in Lake Superior. It's mm -hmm. basically like an ocean, but it's a freshwater lake. And you have to book it out five months in advance. And she ended up having this unexpected thing come up that interfered with the client deadline. And she said, I just have to cancel the trip. I said, you are absolutely not <laughs> canceling this trip. No, no, <laughs> I said, no, You no. have been talking about this for months. I said, let me reach out to the client. I know we told them we would get it to them by this date, but let me just reach out to them and see if they even need it. They, you know, we, we, I don't want to digress too much, but another thing I'm trying to combat is these artificial deadlines that we create for ourselves and let ourselves stress out about too much. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I reached out to the client and I said, Hey guys, would you be okay if you got this a week later? Shelly has this, trip of a lifetime opportunity and I really don't want her to miss it. And they were like, she better go on that trip and she <laughs> better send us a bunch of pictures. Yeah. So yeah. 
like, let's, let's humanize ourselves. And they were so happy and she got to go on her trip. And it's, I love that I'm able to do that for my employees. I hate that it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. That should yeah. be the norm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, family and I hear it in their voices Uh, my virtual assistant a few weeks ago I have to take my husband to the eye doctor he's got something going on do it yeah why why are you you know what I mean like that's just crazy so it is it's amazing my my grandson got sick Friday he's four years old and he got a tummy virus and he got sick and sure enough uh, the weekend went on he got feeling better as kids do and then his little sister, who is two years old, also got sick because <laughs> that's what kids do, right? Well, it, right. it happened, and all of a sudden, you know, my, my daughter and, and is, is a wonderful mother. She is an absolutely outstanding mother, and so is her, her husband's wonderful, wonderful father. And luckily, we are close by, so she was able to say, Mom, would you take care of helping me with the kids? Well, yep. that's a wonderful thing for us to be able to do, and I, I love that, that we can do it. And my wife, Carla, just absolutely loves doing that for the kids. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I sit back and think, you know, we left Alabama and went to these places where we didn't know a soul. And Carla had to deal with all that stuff because I was, I was going back and forth to uh, work every day. and. I had to go to work as far as I was concerned. She took care of everything. And there was nobody in town, no family, nobody to, to mm-hmm. help. And so it's just, I, I feel so good about the fact that we're here to do that. At the same time, I remember you still get it done even when you, when you don't have that support. But when you have the support, it is so much better. You know? Uh, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Being a single parent is one of the most challenging things I've ever had to go through. You don't have someone else that can pick the kids up. You you have to bring them to school and pick them up, and not everyone understands that. Yeah. But it's just, you know. And when they're sick, sometimes you don't get to go to work. Support is yeah. And when they're that's, sick, sometimes that, you don't sometimes have to go to work. To, yep, exactly. You know, for sure. That's just all part of the deal. Carrie, what yep. sort of things um, do you run into with um, with intellectual property and that kind of stuff? I mean, I, I'm a content creator now, and I'm betting that some of the folks listening to us create content of some type, one one type or another, or have a product. What sort of things do you see that folks ought to recognize and realize about the product, the content that they're delivering to to people out there in the world? That's a great question. Uh, I would say that's probably twofold. One is make sure you're not stepping on anyone else's toes when you are creating that content or creating your brand or creating your name. I have far too many examples, everything from restaurant space to cannabis to everything in between where a company literally (laughs) a company puts all of this time and money and effort and to advertising and marketing of this brand only to find out that someone else owns the trademark on that Mm -hmm. brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And one of the biggest misconceptions out there about a name or a logo is that it, it only has to be similar 
to infringe on it. Mm. So, so there, um, there's the biggest misconception I, I see all the time is people will try to get cutesy, uh, for lack of a better term with mm-hmm. names. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the most a bad example, but it's hilarious. If someone tried to get a trademark on Pisterine as a offshoot of Listerine, <laughs> and they, sh- yeah, it was literally like a yellow bottle of mouthwash and everything. <laughs> oh <laughs> my word! Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but they're trying to build their brand off of the goodwill of Listerine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Listerine opposed the mark and they were not able to get it through. And so that's maybe not the best example, but of an example of how they put all of this time and money and effort and research and everything into, yeah, that's cute. Pisterine. It's great. It's funny. It's a mock off of Listerine, but it doesn't mean you're out of trouble. It is literally just a defense if someone sues you, yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. you're not going to get sued. You know, everyone's like, oh, that's fine. I'm fine. There was a coffee shop that opened up that was called Starbucks Sucks. And yes, they were able to keep opening. Do you have any idea how much it cost them to get <laughs> <laughs> to that point? So that is the number one thing I try to get through to people about their brand is, you know, one, don't step on anyone else's toes. Yeah. That's, that's the worst thing you can do. But two, Protect yourself. Do you, would you be upset if someone else had the same name as you? Mm-hmm. Would you be upset if um, maybe you're operating only in Massachusetts and there's an, another company with your name in California? Maybe you don't care about that. Maybe you do care about it. I just want to make sure that someone is asking you the right questions mm-hmm. to get you to think about whether you want to protect your intellectual property or not. Yeah, I mean, and it's, then in it, terms. Oops, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, and then it, it, it becomes one of those things that you wonder just how much time and effort and, and resources to put behind it. When we, when my marketing person and I came up with the idea to name this podcast, The Business of Sales, you know, we Googled it. We looked around. We tried to see if there was something out there, obviously, uh, that was, was conflicting. There wasn't anything. And now that we've been doing it two and a half years, Nobody's come forward and said, well, you can't do that because I've already got it. So hopefully I'm going to be all right. But Carrie, I never, we never did a real trademark search or a real, real uh, copyright search on that. Mm-hmm. And, and truthfully, that's a perfectly fine strategy too, right? So you can just start using a name and the positive to that is you're going to develop some kind of common law race by using it. Ah. The negative is if you run into someone else and they kick you out, you're going to have to develop a new name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. it's kind of a good way of testing the waters to see if anyone is going to complain, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, so most foreign countries, you can file a trademark on anything, whether you're using it or not. In the United States, your trademark is very dependent on whether you are using it or not. So that's why trademarks like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, they've literally been around for over 100 years. Because as long as you're using it in commerce, you can continue to maintain the rights to it. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's... 
it so just, the trademarks can be very valuable. Yeah. I mean, think about the, just those two that you just mentioned. I, that, wow, yeah, they can be extremely valuable. It's it's one of those it's things, easy. though. At the same time, I also know that, you know, I don't want to infringe on anybody else's right when you get right down to it. I don't want to cause any, any problems. I don't want to have any conflict like this. Luckily, mm-hmm. most of the time, I would think, you, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I would think that most of the time it's, hey, stop that. And if you stop, then chances are you're going to have to come up with a new name. You're going to have to rebrand. You have to come up with new business cards and all the rest of that stuff. But chances are they're not going to sell you for ten, sue you for $100 million because there's been no real damage taking place. Would that be true? I think that is a fairly accurate assumption most of the time. There may be rare cases where you've had massive brand awareness and it's Creative, created much more of an asset value mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. But I, I literally couldn't have said that better myself. That's literally exactly what I say to people. How much of, how difficult would it be if you had to change your name? Mm-hmm. How difficult would it be if someone else popped up with your name? Um, I'm, I'm literally trying to name a podcast and we're searching on Google and podcasts and everywhere to see if there's someone else. Because you don't want someone else to be searching for you and, you know, find someone yeah, else. Right, right. Um, it's just an so amazing it's, thing. And it's just, it, the whole idea of intellectual property is so vitally important. It's like, it, I'm going to ask you one more question and we'll wrap this thing up because I've taken too much of your time. But when I'm creating materials, when I'm creating materials, uh, you know, I'll throw a copyright on there and most everybody does. Is there any is is there any real protection from that? I mean, could somebody then take my stuff and go out and use it to to teach people how to sell and and you know just use all my stuff to do it? Oh, that's a great question. I will try to condense it as best as I can, <laughs> and I'll preface it with: this is not legal advice. <laughs> Amen. Yes, yes. I, I should have put that disclaimer at the front. I'm um, sorry. Yes. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I will say um, copyright is a little complicated because there are common law copyrights that are automatically um, that you automatically have when you create the work of art. Mm-hmm. And that's, you'll see that circle C often. Yep. Yep. Um, what's can, what is, so confusing to me and I think every person on the planet (laughs) about (laughs) copyrights is that circle C can be used whether it is a registered copyright or common law copyright. Mm -hmm. So in in comparison, I'll, I'll compare that to trademarks. So you've probably seen on on uh, branded or trademarked goods a TM mm-hmm. or yep. a circle R. Yep. So the TM can either signify that you have a state trademark or it can signify that you intend to use that term as an identifier of your goods of goods or services. Hmm. Okay. When it becomes a circle R that means it is federally registered and you have the right to exclude anyone in the entire United States from using a mark that is the same or confusingly similar. 
amazing. It, it just and goes back to the fact I'm that you not, need... I'm trying not too deep in the weeds, but... That's it's, okay. It's that's, just, that's a perfect answer. And it, it just, once again, brings us back to the fact that you really do need to hire a professional to help you with this stuff because it's not just so simple as one might think it is. You need to you need to talk to your attorney. <laughs> you know, yes. talk to and, talk to your and, attorney before you do anything. It's it's true. You really do. Exact. I I like to analogize myself to an honest mechanic. I mm-hmm. mean, we've all gone to the mechanics that try to sell every nut and bolt on your car and the <laughs> ones that just sell you the oil change and the brake job you need. <laughs> so, you know, I, I always tell people, don't just take my advice. Go talk to someone else. Go talk yeah. to two, three, five, ten attorneys. You know, a good one, any, in my opinion, any decent attorney will give you 15 to 30 minutes of their time. Mm-hmm to see if you really need their services or not. If they're not willing to give you that time, find someone that will. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense too. It really does. And it, it just, uh, it goes back to, we are all in business and a worker is due his wages and you need to hire the professionals to come in and do this because folks, in my experience, in my opinion, and that's all this is, is my opinion. This is not a DIY kind of thing. This is not a, let me go find a a template somewhere. This is not a DIY deal that you need to do when you're going to start a business and then claim it's an LLC. Uh, You need to protect yourself, and having a good attorney will do that. Carrie, thank you so much for being with us today on the Business of Sales. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. It was. It was an absolute blast having you here. And, you know, we we, we just might have to do this again, Carrie. I would love that. Wow, wasn't Carrie great? I mean, she is uh, she is one more heck of an attorney and just a, a wonderful person on top of everything else. I've had the opportunity to meet her personally and just am terribly impressed with her. But she gave us some really great things, y'all, some really great points about how it's important to have the right things in front of you when you're, when you're running your business. Make sure that you, you protect yourself and your family because... <laughs> Your business could could be something that could damage you or your family. You know, obviously, we're not going to think about that. We're not going to dwell on that. But if you have the right protection, then you don't have to worry about it. You can be comfortable with those things, especially when it comes to copyrights, trademarks, intellectual property rights, those kinds of things. You need to make sure you got it right and you do it right. Incorporating your business, you got to make sure you do it right and you got it right. Carrie had some great things to share with us today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great week. Enjoy your time. Go out there and meet somebody new, and I'll see you again next time right here on The Business of Sales. 